0: This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict, with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to researcher and analyst Neil P. Hauer. He's been covering the Caucasus for a long time. He's been on the ground in Armenia since the Nagorno-Karabakh war started last month and as some of you will probably know the war has come to an end in a very bitter way for the armenians they've essentially lost their lands in nagorno karabakh azerbaijan has won russia is moving peacekeepers into Stepanakert. nia has been covering it and he's going to explain to us how this happened and what's going on at the moment on the ground in armenia if you like what we're doing here at popular front please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Front. I think the best thing to do would be go back to what happened. Obviously, the Karabakh War is kind of over now, essentially, but it didn't just end because of military situations. We know there was this very strange deal. Um, yeah, maybe go back to then and just explain to us what happened.
1: Yeah, so uh, essentially what happened at the end of the war here was this was just this was last week on monday the 9th and so at this point you know we knew that the, the azerbaijanis had made we knew here in armenia and yerevan the azerbaijanis had made a lot of progress that they had pushed in um and there there was fighting in the city of shushi which is smack in the middle of karabakh and you know sort of the dominant position as it's it's um, this this uh, dominant natural position where it overlooks the capital um, but it's about 600 meters above it, despite only being a few kilometers away, by, as the crow flies. And so we knew there was this battle going on there. Uh, but uh, the Azerbaijanis had claimed already that they had taken it. Uh, I think they claimed, that was on the 7th that they claimed that, or perhaps it was the 8th, but they claimed that they'd taken it. The Armenians denied it entirely, the uh, Armenian I Ministry of Defense and everything. So that's all that anyone knew. And then suddenly, uh, on Monday, in the, the wee hours of uh, actually, early Tuesday morning, there, uh, about 2 a.m. local time Tuesday morning, uh, suddenly Nikol Pashinyan, the president of, or the prime minister of Armenia, posts on his Facebook page uh, saying that he's signed a deal to end the the Karabakh war, and that this deal essentially, you know, freezes the lines where they are, gives Azerbaijan everything that it's already captured, including Shushi, which he admits has actually fallen. And as well as pulling back from uh, is pulling back from these other regions surrounding the Karabakh proper that they also controlled. And so basically, this was a huge shock to everyone. And uh, within about 10, 15 minutes, uh, we saw that, you you know, I was just sitting in my apartment and I could hear that there's lots of honking on the street and went down. And there was basically a riot that unfolded on Republic Square there in the center of the city and protesters smashing into office building, smashing into the, the government building, the prime minister's residence there, chanting Nikol Traitor and other things, and then uh, eventually breaking into the parliament as well.
0: Right. Um, and tell us about this deal. They've basically, I mean, you know, in a crude way, I, I kind of said it online, but to me it did look as if basically Armenians have kind of lost the whole of Karabakh. I know there's going to be, you know, alleged Russian peacekeepers in Stepanakert. But, it, you know, it's not looking good. I mean, wh- what is this deal? Maybe go into a little bit more detail for us on that.
1: Yeah, so the, this deal, I mean, it's nine points in it, but uh, essentially the, the, the majority of it is, you know, that uh, Armenians are left with this rump state, which is, you know, it sort of, I mean, in a lot of ways, this deal is basically reflective of what had always been discussed for the last 25 years in the peace process here, Except with some additional benefits for Azerbaijan as sort of you know the victor's spoils because they did win on the battlefield here, and so basically what's left is out of the former Nagorno-Karabakh Autonomous Oblast, so the Armenian-populated region that was at the heart of this dispute, in the center, uh, in, in the center of the, the territory that the Armenians controlled there, um, so the, the former oblast territory, the ethnic Armenian part, um, the the part of that that had remained under Armenian control by the end of the war stays in their hands. And this means though that they lose the Southern part of it, which the Azerbaijanis had captured and also Shusha. And these were things that were never on the table before, but the Azerbaijanis uh, basically uh, earned it on the ground. And so now the Armenians, they also have to give up the the process of handing back over the so-called seven occupied regions around Karabakh proper, which were, uh, overwhelmingly ethnic uh, Azerbaijani populated, but have been captured as the security buffer zone by the Armenians in 1993, and so they've handed these back. But as as well in the course of this, you know, there's this massive Russian peacekeeping force that's being deployed, and this is a, a, the ostensible number of this is 2,000 men, just under 2,000 men, um, 90 armored vehicles. And 360 other armored, 360 various other vehicles. But, um, I mean, the Russians have already brought in stuff that wasn't initially in the deal. You know, they have brought in attack helicopters, grad rocket launchers, uh, lots of electronic warfare, anti-drone technology there. And the flights have been coming in every day. So the Russians have really set up uh, a, quite a substantial little army down there
0: why are they bringing in stuff that they shouldn't have brought in I mean you know we look we all know when Russia comes for peacekeeping they rarely leave but like what what do you think their goal is why are they bringing all this new equipment
1: I mean I think they're basically just ready to
0: fight a full-scale
1: war down there in the territory if it over the, the remainder here if it comes to that and basically you know I think to a large degree that they needed to bring in uh, quite a substantial amount of stuff given that there's no that deal't call it all for the, the, the terms of this deal are still being hammered out, like the, spe- this, the specifics of it, because this is one of the problems, is that the, the deal, as it was announced on the early on the 10th, does not go into a lot of the specifics, just sort of broad strokes, but how a lot of this is going to play out in reality is not clear. But it, 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 the deal, as it stands, does not call for the withdrawal of Armen- of the Azerbaijani armed forces from the front lines, especially in Shusha, which in Shusha, they basically... Can threaten the entirety. They can threaten the capital. Uh, they can with artillery just immediately, just by very by virtue of Shush's location. And so I think that the Russians felt like they had to pull in a, a whole lot of stuff there and basically be able to fight like a serious conflict there. Uh, not only just to deter the as the Azerbaijanis, but to deter the Turks as well, who keep insisting that they're part of this peacekeeping mission. And the Azerbaijanis keep saying that the Turks are going to be part of this, but Russia keeps vehemently denying this and saying, "No, this is just this, this is a, a tripartite deal signed by Russia, Armenia, Azerbaijan. Turkey's not playing any role." But now Turkey has its parliament has just approved a bill to send troops to Azerbaijan
0: as well. Yeah, I read that this morning. They're, they're sending troops, right? Yeah, it's it does. It's
1: not clear in what um, in what capacity or what amount um, it. It could just be some token force, but it it could also be you know something much more substantial. So that, that we're we're going to find out in the next week or two here what that's going to look like. But now Turkey is for basically for the first time in a hundred years since 1920, literally is sending troops to the South Caucasus, and so the Russians are guarding against that
0: too. Jesus. Um... Let's just scale back a little bit. So you, you were in the parliament building when protesters stormed it. There's some great footage I saw you putting on Twitter from there. Um, maybe explain that. Like, why were people so angry? They were fighting each other. They said they wanted to kill Pashinyan. They beat up a guy that was literally nothing to do with the deal from parliament. Just Just explain that scene for us.
1: I mean, I think it was really the all this just exploded out as just that uh, people were, I people were, were stunned by this. I mean, I mean, I was really surprised to see it announced so suddenly the deal, even though you know I was very aware that the war was not going well for the Armenians. But uh, the I think the vast majority of people here, including you know very educated people, really felt like the you know the, a lot of people a bought the government propaganda that you know were beating them and. Their gains are only temporary, and they've taken massive losses, unsustainable losses and they're going to sue for peace and then the other thing is you know whenever you suggested to someone here over the six weeks of the war that you know things don't that that things might not be going well for so for Armenia they would just laugh and say yeah but in the 90s we were also losing for a while and then we won and it was just this in the 90s in the 90s and Mm -hmm. we'll come back and we'll take it all back and we'll come back and we won't end up losing anything here we'll beat the azerbaijanis like they think there was there really was this real sense here that we beat the azerbaijanis before and now for 26 years we've been sitting here we haven't we sitting pretty we haven't lost anything and in that time we've just consolidated our hold over it and there's no way that we'll ever just like definitively lose to the Azerbaijanis. And so, and, or then we will just permanently lose territory basically. And so when that suddenly came out that that's what had happened, um, everyone was in shock. Absolutely. Uh, And the, 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 the initial, in that night there, the, the, when just after it had come out, that initial explosion of violence was really just, you know, people acting out on that and it wasn't necessarily anything sustained or, you know, directed at the government or it wasn't a, a necessarily a sign of overall frustrations with the government or just widespread, you know, sustained anger at the government, but it was just this massive explosion of, um, of outrage from people and just shock
0: at seeing that this unravel before their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, I can imagine it was kind of, you know, i got a lot of Armenian friends and for them, They knew that the the government propaganda was kind of bullshit, but it was soul destroying. You could just see it. Um, There was a lot of weird kind of talk around that time. Some were saying like Pashinyan had been like strong armed into it. There was some talk that the guy running Nagorno-Karabakh from the Armenian side was going to be arrested. Pashinyan's wife was still on the front line. Like did, did that amount to anything? Was anything fishy going on?
1: I don't particularly think so. Um, I mean, honestly, I thought that th- I was pretty surprised that this deal happened in the sense that I was surprised that the Azerbaijanis agreed to it because they had said from the, the start of this that this is it. This is We're taking back all of our occupied territory, meaning the entirety of not only these seven occupied regions, but Karabakh itself, and saying we are liberating all of our lands, the de jure territory of Azerbaijan, from occupation. And frankly, you know, they were on, as, as the Pashinyan, as the leader of Karabakh himself said that the Azerbaijanis were on the verge of this, you know, like they had taken Shushi and they had basically, I mean, the Armenian army was in a route and the, the, the writing was on the wall. And so, you know, it would have been bloody. It would have taken like a a few more weeks, probably in like street to street fighting uh, in Stepanakert, but I, I, the outcome would not have been in doubt. Uh, So I was surprised more so that the, The Azerbaijanis agreed to this, but uh, I I guess, you know, some stuff happened behind the scenes with the Russians and the Turks and they managed to sort this out and they got them to agree. But, I mean, I think for, frankly, given the way that things were going, that this is a pretty pretty good outcome for the Armenians, given that they were not only on the, the verge of losing it all, but now, I mean, the Russians are there and in great force, and the, the term of the Russian stay is only five years, but I don't think they're ever going to leave. And at, at that rate, that basically steals the assuming that, assuming that they're, they're not just going to pack up and leave as the deal says, oh, they, they might have to in five years, then. This territory is gone for good for the Azerbaijanis. They never get it back.
0: Yeah. And, and for anyone, any of our listeners that are not aware, Sushi is basically an elevated place, right? Rightness to Panikert would have been perfect to attack Shtapanikert from, you know, had the war carried on. I mean, from the Azeri's point of view, it would have been perfect for them. Um And one thing that I I, I don't know, I just keep going over and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, a lot more about Russia and the Caucasus than me. But I I feel like this was a little bit of a plan from Putin. So we already know that, you know, Pashinyan is not up Putin's ass the same way the previous kind of people running Armenia were. Um, I do feel like this is a little bit kind of Putin saying, like, you know, if you couldn't hear, you'll feel, which obviously Pashinyan has now felt because the state of the situation Azerbaijan, you know, Putin has deals with them with gas pipelines and whatnot. And now with Turkey as well, we're seeing them pull back from previous positions in Idlib, which Russia wanted them to before. I don't know. To me, it feels like a very kind of 4D chess-like plan was played by Putin from the start. I, I don't know. What do you think, Neil?
1: I mean, I never really liked this narrative that Putin is punishing Pashinyan for, because he came to power in a like a color revolution, let's say uh but let's uh,
0: but he was quite close to the eu right like he was closer to the eu than the previous guys or at least snuggling up to them a little bit to europe
1: true yeah he was and um they he has people in his cabinet too and he made disparaging marks about russia and the russia like putin certainly doesn't particularly like him Mm. but at the same time i mean armenia has continued under under pashinyan to participate in every russian uh, political bloc, economic bloc, military alliance, ec- military military exercises. Um, they they remain, you know, still the com- completely committed to everything that they they were already in, and it's not like they were going to the, the like they hadn't joined the Eurasian Economic Union or something they were going to pull out. No, like they're okay. they they are still committed to that, and I think it's a lot simpler for this in terms of that basically, you know, Russia was just. Uh, when this war broke out, Russia, and during the whole course of it, Russia was in a really awkward position and that, you know, this was unfolding and they, the only, I mean, if they were going to go in there and just intervene on the side of, of of, Turk, of Armenia to stop Azerbaijan, then a, I mean, it would have been like sort of logistically difficult because let's say the, the, they take their stuff from the base they have here at Gumri down there and they start intervening on this, they start fighting the Azerbaijanis. And what if the Azerbaijanis just escalate with Turkish support against them? Then, you know, they're in a really awkward position then mm. because they, it's hard for them to get the, the cargo there. And, and then now you're in a hot war that you don't really want to be in. And that, that's just more, much more dangerous. And then also if the Russians intervene militarily on the side of the Armenians, then they basically just lose all their influence with or the vast majority of their influence with Azerbaijan just immediately. And that's what they were trying to, to do this whole time is play both sides and, you know, still retain good relations with the Azerbaijanis. Because as far as Putin's concerned, you know, Ilham Aliyev is sort of like the sort of the, the kind of leader that he he can trust. He can deal with and doesn't rock the boat against Russia too much.
0: And uh, right, he likes dictators.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's a known Ilham Aliyev has been in power for twenty seventeen years. He's a known quantity. And so the, the Russians were just sort of in this awkward position where they, they needed the fighting to stop, but they also now, I mean, the, the, the new dynamic of this conflict was that for the first time, uh, you had Turkey come in here and fully diplomatically back and also to, to various degrees militarily back um, Azerbaijan and, you know, deploy officers for command and control on the ground and de- deploy drones and pilots basically on the Azerbaijani side. And so this is not, this was something that Russia was basically unprepared for. And so the, at the end of the day, I think like this sort of deal that the Russians ended up working out and that, you know, Putin revealed two days ago, that was also sorted out. There was a similar sort of deal that was agreed by the Azerbaijanis on the October 20th, a few weeks ago, but that the Armenians refused, um, that actually would end up better for them than what, what we have now. But this this is basically how it went for the Russians. I mean, they were just in an awkward position and didn't have a whole lot of good choices.
0: Right. Well, thanks for clearing that. Up. I'll uh, I'll take my tin helmet off for now. But that definitely makes sense. Um, <laughs> you you've been in Karabakh. Uh, I know you was there when the war was like at the height of the war. But you've been in Karabakh since, right? Like since this is all kind of calmed down. It's all lost essentially. Like, what's what's the feeling there now? What's it look like?
1: I mean, I've not been back to Stepanakar, uh, the capital. I'm hoping to get back there um, in a few days here. But I, I was in, uh, last, I guess a week ago today, yeah, I was in Kelbajar, which is one of the occupied regions around Karabakh proper that the Armenians were handing back. And so this is, at that, that point, it was due to be handed back. Uh, just three days after that, on the, the 15th, they ended up extending it on the, on the 15th. They extended the deadline to the 25th, but... I mean, it it was pretty dire there in terms of, I mean, this this region was not hugely populated. There was about 3,000 Armenians living there, all of whom had moved in the past, let's say, 20, yeah, the past 20 years to the region and been resettled there. Um, But now this region is being given back to Azerbaijan. And so it was people stripping their houses, taking stuff back to Yerevan, some of them hedging their bets, hoping they'll be able to stay under... Azerbaijani control or seeing how that will and work in practice and, and lots of other people you know burning their houses there and the, there was big concern about the one famous monastery too the Dadavank monastery that this would come under Azerbaijani control but it seems now that the Russians have deployed the peacekeepers into that area so the Russians have just bumped the line up a little bit from what was initially agreed as their want to do and now they've taken that into the this monastery uh, into the the control of the the Russian defended area,
0: right? Um, I mean, I, I guess I got a kind of big question here that can't really be answered, you know, in any positive way because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I just want to go over something that I think a lot of reporters, are, for some reason ignoring in their coverage so we have seen several videos of uh, Aziri troops cutting off ears beheading people we've also seen one video of an Armenian cutting off ears as well I should say um, within a day of this situation I saw footage of what was alleged to be one of the Turkish backed mercenaries stood on top of a fifth century church screaming alawakbar my point is <laughs> like are Armenians gonna be safe like if they stay in their areas, the Azerbaijan azerbaijana taken over which Azerbaijan said yeah they can stay let's not forget in 2005 they told the uh, german court that they want to do a holocaust on armenians but anyway they have said they can stay yeah. are they safe what do you think is it going to be all right or, or i don't know I, I, what do you think
1: i mean basically there's very few people who were left in those areas that they captured because everyone had fled ahead of time you know oh, okay or, uh, as so there's some people who stay. There, there are like yeah, definitely some elderly people who stay behind uh, and were were killed, and then have a, and were, stories are still coming out. But we know that they you know, they have executed civilians that were that remain behind in these areas. But the what's more likely what to happen, and what the 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 bigger picture is essentially that the people who lived in these areas will be basically permanently displaced now. Mm. And I've seen different estimates going around. Um, because they did capture a, a handful of you know, a good number of Armenian populated villages and then uh like two fairly major towns in Hadruth and Shushi, which were each about four thousand people. So probably there's about twenty five thousand people who will be displaced as a result of this. And I mean it is pretty uh inconceivable that any of these people would go back under their under two areas that would be under Azerbaijani control. Um they there there might be some sort of special exception for shushi because we're sort of waiting to see what will happen with the final status of that whether the the russians will just basically maybe maybe the russians will do something because the russians are in it already and the russians might um give it some sort of dual status or something and the but aside from that the basically what's going to happen is yeah you're going to have uh 20 25,000 people permanently displaced from these areas and just having to, and a few, the, the, whoever remain, remain behind, probably things are going to go, if, if there's any anyone left alive, probably things are not going to go very well for them. And but by, by and large, it's just going to be, a, you know, this new wave of displacement from the conflict.
0: Yeah, um, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about. I don't know if you'll know or not, but there was some, some Armenians who are over there, some images of... Um, graves that had been dug up now i don't know they're saying all oh, the Azeris of digging up the bodies but i've also heard that it's people kind of taking the bodies of their loved ones with them just in case do you know anything about this
1: yeah i've only i only saw one video like that but it was some armenian guys in kelbajar um yeah digging up their the grave of their relatives to bring it back to to rebury them in armenia right or in the remaining part of karabakh uh, yeah, grave desecrations. I haven't seen
0: yet. No, I've seen I've seen graffiti on churches, but like you, I thought no, this looks like they've taken the families with them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the the only video I've seen so far like that was the the guys, uh, yeah, digging up their their relative to bring him back.
0: All right, cool, man. Thanks. Um, what's going on for Pashinyan and then? Like, is he finished? I know there's a bit of a political turmoil. I saw someone saying that. There's going to be a vote of no confidence. I don't fully understand the politics uh, in Armenia. What's happening?
1: I mean, it's really confusing at this point because, you know, there was definitely, um, of course, this, was, this would be a really hard situation for anyone to survive losing this war like this. Uh, but support for Pashinyan was pretty high before this. So it was still it was still very high, really. Uh, the, after two years in office, and basically, I mean, it was a tough situation for him. And then about four or five days ago, he made this idiotic post on Facebook, as he does want to do, uh, just after midnight, basically in this sort of coded language saying, uh, coded but pretty clear language, telling the, the soldiers on the front line uh, to come back to Yerevan and deal with the people who are whining, you know, basically deal with these opposition protesters. Uh, which really was a bad move by him and made everyone, even the people who were defending him, really angry. And there was some momentum building at that point. You know, there was the foreign minister resigned, uh, the minister of emergency situation, sure, they have to resign, a few other MPs from his party, and even the president, who's mostly ceremonial, called for him to resign. Um, But at this point, the momentum seems to have died down from that a little bit. So it's hard to say what's going to happen here. I thought he was done after the president said mm-hmm. he should resign because you know, the president is the guy who's currently president. Armin Sarkeesian is the, the one, one of the few guys who's respected across the the spectrum here and has contacts with everyone. And basically he's not going to say that unless he thinks that there is a, already a, and the, and this is where the way the winds are blowing. But now we've gone on a few more days and the momentum seems to have gone out a little bit. I mean, there's still these, these anti-Palestinian demonstrations here, but I was at one yesterday. It was, it wasn't tiny, but it wasn't huge either. And so the the momentum seems to be failing a bit, but I, I, I guess the bigger test will be when they lift martial law here, at which point you can do a vote of no confidence in the government. And basically, cause that's still in place here. Uh, and until they do that, you can't, you can't um, really make many changes politically. So if he survives that, they lift the martial law here and, you know, his ouster doesn't come about immediately in like the next few days after that, and he stops making stupid posts on Facebook after midnight, after a few drinks, then he'll, I think he'll
0: be fine. Right. And um, what's the situation now for soldiers? Um, I, they, there's someone that we know through Popular Front was like FaceTiming people he knows out there and they were still on the front line. Now, obviously, they're not fighting, but they were still kind of just, I think, just told to stay where they're meant to be. Um, they seem confused from what I understand. You know what's going on right now with them all?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is another confusing thing about the agreement because there's a lot of people who either speculated or assumed uh, here as well that it meant that, you know, the Armenians had to disarm um, and it would only be, only be the Russians there, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and basically the units sort of froze where they were. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them demobilized at, at least like the recent call-ups because I have a friend who was called up um, basically about let's say two weeks before the end of the war and he's back now. But in, uh, I think along the sections of the front line where they held, you know, there's, there still are units present on the front, it basically the Russians have set up posts, but the, the, the frontline positions, you know, were, remained as they were. And the more interesting thing is in the Northwest, in this Kelbajar region, which was supposed to be handed over on November. The, the deal, so after the deal, the deal was signed on November 10th, and this region was supposed to be handed over by the 15th, you know, so just five days for the to give it over. But then they ended up extending the deadline for 10 days to the 25th. And people said that's because, you know, there's Armenian units there that were refusing to stand down. And now there's been some videos that have come out of Russians going around in their trucks and loudspeakers, giving the, telling the the Armenian holdouts there that they have to put down their arms and surrender and, and, you know, just vacate the area because this is about to be handed over. And well, I think, you know, a lot or most of the soldiers there have done that. There's also this feeling there that, you know, the Azerbaijan from the, the point of view of the soldiers there that the azerbaijanis didn't advance here we held our ground in this sector of the front doesn't why should we be told to surrender and give up here and 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 vacate and so that's an interesting situation to keep an eye on here as november 25th starts coming up the next deadline
0: that is interesting i wasn't aware that they like the russians have been telling them to kind of leave i guess that, that leaves the question like do you think there's possibility of like guerrilla attacks against the aziris or like small insurgencies in the future um it's it's definitely possible to some degree at least um, I mean in
1: most of these areas I guess, I mean there's there's not going to be like a civilian support base you know because there, mm-hmm. there won't be any civilians any Armenian civilians there but also these are a lot of these territories are you know especially in the Northwest in Kalbajar, you know, it's really remote and mountainous and uh, it wasn't super heavily populated before the war. And now it's going to be, I mean, it's even in sort of a cutoff position from the rest of, I was wondering how, how are the Azerbaijanis going to even get in there given that the only connection from Kelbajar to the rest of Azerbaijan is in the North and there's a big mountain range in the North. There's no roads. So I don't know how they're going to get in there in the first place, but then they, even when they do, they'll be sort of cut off. So it'll be, I it'll be a really weird situation there. And I, I mean, I could definitely see something turning ugly at, at one point or another here. I mean, things have, have held for the past, uh, the past week now, week and a half that this has been in place, but I think it's, I mean, at some re- point I'm sure that there's going to be, uh, an issue down the line here I mean just because I mean the Armenians the Azeris hate each other so much and mm-hmm. uh, they're, it, it's really hard for me to see this just all going completely
0: smoothly for the entirety of this process yeah that's a good point mountains as well like, as we know just perfect ground for like guerrilla activity really and I guess they know those mountains right yeah. they've been there for however long
1: yeah, so I definitely think you're going to have at least, I mean, it looks like in Kalbajar it might be sooner rather than later if the the Azeris actually do just come rolling in there on however they're going to do it and from helicopters or something on the 25th and they can't get, and they there's still some Armenians to have hit out behind there. So it very well could end up being like that sooner rather than later.
0: Um, where can people find you, follow your work, what have you, your website, Twitter, all of that?
1: Um, you can check you can check me out on Twitter is where I post most of my content. It's twitter.com slash Neil P. Howard, H-A-U-E-R. And then I also add on Patreon if you want to get a little bonus content to maybe support me a little bit. I am a freelancer and that's patreon.com slash Neil Howard, N-E-I-L-H-A-U-E-R.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, mate. Um, be in touch.
1: Absolutely. Thank you too, man. Right. Have a Speak good
0: one. Soon. That was Neil Howard speaking about the bitter end to the Karabakh war and how this weird situation there probably means it isn't actually the end. It looks like a lot is probably going to be going on there, especially in and around the mountains in Karabakh. Definitely stay tuned to Popular Front, we'll be reporting on it as it happens. I'm looking to go to Armenia in December, all being well. You will see um, the footage that we get from there on the YouTube. Um, but like Neil said, he's an independent journalist, definitely check him out. Um, just in case you missed that at the end, his Patreon is patreon.com slash Neil Hower. You spell his surname H-E-U-R. Check him out. If you like what we're doing at Popular Front, you want to see us keep doing more, you want more content, definitely check us out at patreon.com/slash popularfront. You will get it all there. The website is popularfront.co youtube youtube.com slash popular front the brand new 3d printed gun documentary 3d printed guns in western europe super spicy and illegal that doc will be coming out um i thought it was going to be out this weekend but it's not next week now the very start of next week it will be there it will be coming to patreon's first mind you so patreon.com slash popular front uh, our Instagram is instagram.com slash popular.front. The Twitter is twitter.com slash popularfrontco. Um, the outro music is by Sam Black. Check his music out at samblackpf.com. Um, thank you to our sponsors. They are uh, Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. They're an independent coffee shop selling only fair trade products. See them at 3875 Southwest Bond Avenue 97239. Go say hi to my mate Frank there. Uh, check them out. Uh, thank you to our other sponsor Grindcore House. They're a pair of independent coffee shops in Philadelphia, USA. One in South, one in West. Check them out on social media at Grindcore House. Thank you to our other sponsor, Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and informing people about historical conflict propaganda. Get your prints at propagandopolis.com. If you use the code popularfront10 at checkout, you get 10% off. That's P-R-O-P-A-G-A-D-O-P-O-L-I-S. And I just wanted to uh, dedicate this episode to the memory of a friend of mine sadly who passed away this week Uh, very very good guy he was very interested in geopolitics rest in peace Archie love you mate this is dedicated to you bro Uh, thank you to the top tier Patreons they are Damien Boyd Larson8669 (coughs) Bad Nads Bjorn Kirsten Uh, Michael O'Connor Hapet Yagi Zayan Apologies if I've said that wrong mate Zach Packard Todd Cravens Alexander Nicholas Butter Ron Swanson JD Jav Bastian Gamilo Rittmeier Ian Froese James Cully Michael Akerkan Ethan Reyes Fitz Madrid Joe Watt, Alex Northrop, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, Clayton Taylor, Hugo Newski, Mike Barone, Scott Hopton, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Giorgio Arani, DR, Trey Nance. Fuck's sake. What happened? I think my thing cut out. Anyway, uh, Trey Nance, Charlie... Amy Rupert Rubicon Mink Frank Austin Amelia Mee Christina Rivetti Freya Northman Ali Hunter Moody Al Rashid Maxwell Burke Bill Wilson Andrew Hurley Vida Provost Brian McLaughlin Tom Lochrin Harry from the Discord Young Wasabi Surushe Hawazi Tony Bin Adam Berg Snyder Sebastian from the Discord Steven Davila Anthony Kabarek Patrick Bronte Dan Dunham Fletcher Tate Chad Walker Diana Govinek, Q Ball Lawrence Abrahams Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did Emily Molly Axel Iverson Christopher Martin What the fuck is wrong with this thing? Uh, Compute with Amalian big Sir is a nightmare. Uh, Ryan Sandercock, Maurice Zumball, K. Hardy Roberts, and Joanne Stocker. If I've missed your name out there, it's either because my computer just went bonkers, or like Patreon has this new, the, the UI on Patreon is an absolute joke, um, and there's a chance I didn't see your name, so apologies, message me if I didn't, uh, if I pronounced it all wrong. Cheers, thanks very much. <laughs> we right